you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. i did not get a chance to celebrate last week because we released a best of episode since things have been so busy over here at affordable interior design gloriously busy but very busy and i missed it I missed our 200th show, and I want to celebrate with you today. Happy 200th show, Big Design Small Budget, in celebration of this big milestone, four years of podcasting, 200 episodes later. In celebration of this, we are making some changes to the podcast. You may notice that things are starting to sound a little bit different. You may notice that we are changing the title to Just Affordable Interior Design. Yep, I'm shaking things up just a little bit. What's a tiny shake? You may have also noticed that we have had a lot of interview episodes lately, and so I have not been able to get to your delicious design questions. Well, they have been piling up in the inbox, and I have so many that I want to get to, especially because you guys probably need my help in a somewhat timely fashion. I am devoting today's episode to diving back into the mailbag and responding to those burning design dilemmas. Without further ado, I've celebrated long enough. Let's dive right in. My first question comes from Renee. Renee writes, Hi Betsy, your tips helped us get a living room we all enjoy, and it's helped especially to have confidence with large purchases like our Macy's sectional. Now our new puzzle is that we have an extra bedroom and it will soon not be extra when the little brother or sister arrives. My husband works from home one day a week and we use our printer. We'd like to let my parents stay with us and we also need to get the TV out of the bedroom. What are your best NYC smaller spaces tips so that we can do this on a couple hundred bucks? Renee. Renee, I don't have a clear idea of this scope of work, but we know how it is to have an apartment that's bursting at the seams when rooms need to be multifunctional, especially in New York City when real estate is at a premium. One thing that I love to do is I love to put printers in closets. Now that necessitates a closet having an outlet or having a gap at the bottom underneath the door where you could run an extension cord. But You know, for babies, it's very important because so many of my clients want to fuse their home office with a nursery functionality. And 
I just don't advise it because that technology, like a printer, like a computer, it lets off energy. And this energy is not conducive to sleep, which is why people suggest that you don't put a desk in the bedroom. That's not always possible, but you do want to minimize that electronic energy as much as possible, especially in a space where you're hoping that the person resting in there gets some sleep. And I know you're going to want this baby to sleep. I would recommend putting that printer in the closet where you can shut the door and kind of block out those electro waves. Another thing that you could do to make this more multifunctional is that you could get a futon or a day bed instead of a sofa bed. That is typically much cheaper. And the functionality there is nice because you can also use it just like a sleeper sofa where it can be a sofa. You can cuddle up with the little one if you want to have story time. I think a daybed is a really good two-in-one. The problem with a daybed is it's typically just a twin, whereas if you went with a futon, you could get two people on there for the grandparents coming to stay. So that is probably a better option and pretty economical, even though it's going to be more than a couple hundred bucks, especially because you're going to want a comfortable futon. You could, of course, have an air mattress, and that would meet your price requirements, especially if it's somewhat irregular that the grandparents are coming to stay. Um, but it's hard to put that away each day. And as the baby grows and becomes a toddler, having an air mattress in his or her room may be an enticement to play on it, to mess up the covers. Uh, A futon can be better because you could just click and clack it shut. And then the room can function as that regular old kid's room and um, not be in the kid's way when the parents are over. Those are my tips considering that your puzzle is to me a little bit vague because it sounds like you might also be wanting to put the TV in here, which as you might guess would be a recommendation for me against that because of the electronic energy. We don't want it to impact the baby's sleep. And of course, later when the baby knows what that big black rectangle is, we don't want them to be excited to watch cartoons all the time. Let's get to my next question, which comes from Jackie. Jackie writes, Hi, Betsy. I have binged all your podcast episodes over the past couple of weeks, and I could really use your help, especially because you have a background as a painter. In one month, I will move from my studio apartment to a cozy multi-room apartment that I want to use as both a living space and a painting and sewing studio. My question is about layout. Since this new apartment has multiple small rooms, I would love to keep my studio space separate from my sleeping, living, and relaxing space. However, I'm having trouble deciding what room should be dedicated to what. My first thought was to use the larger 9x10 room with more natural light as my studio and the smaller 9x9 bedroom, but I worry that this would feel cramped because I do have a queen bed. However, if I put the studio in the darker, smaller room, I worry that it will not be inviting and I will be less motivated to work. There is also a weird extra 5x6 room with a window that I would like to put to good use. I am very eager to have a space to spread out and make my art, but I also want space to recharge. It would also be nice to have a sofa or a place that is comfortable to entertain in, but I'm not sure that this apartment can accommodate all of these things at once. I need a queen bed, a 3x5 sewing table, an easel, and storage for all my supplies and old artwork. More generally, do you have advice for making an art studio or any workspace efficient, inviting, and organized? I've attached a floor plan and a couple of photos. Sorry about the clutter. They are downloaded from the real estate ad. Thanks and best wishes, Jackie. 
Jackie, I have lots of opinions. First things first, if you know there is a room that will not be functional for you to work in, you mentioned because it's dark, it doesn't get natural light, you're never going to be motivated to be in there, well, we can just go ahead, and you know my favorite way to design is by process of elimination, so we can go ahead and eliminate that room as the studio room. It's not going to work right? So that smaller nine by nine room will not be the studio room. I think that's the perfect room for the bedroom. And even though your bed, your queen bed will fit tightly in there, I love small spaces as bedrooms. Instead of thinking tight, think cozy. You can really turn that space in to just that decadent sleeping room. As long as you maybe even just have a wall-mounted shelf to use as a nightstand, you could just drop a mattress in there and make it your little Shangri-La. You could make a canopy on the ceiling to further emphasize that cozy cocoon-like space. You could top the bed with lots of pillows or a really fluffy duvet to make it feel decadent, to make it feel like you're not compromising on a really yummy bedroom space. Then use that larger 9 by 10 room that gets so much beautiful natural light for both that living and entertaining and also studio space. Now, I know as a painter, as a former painter myself, and then of course you're also a seamstress, that you're going to want to put those sewing supplies and painting supplies somewhere. And I think that smaller 5 by 6 room is the perfect space to house shelving that has bins, that maybe has paints, maybe has threads, maybe has larger bins for fabrics. That sounds like the ideal storage room because, frankly, not a whole lot else is going to fit with you and your body in there. I could see you filling it up with those former, or I'm sorry, those old pieces of artwork. You could even just hang them on the wall and really maximize the floor space for shelving and other storage systems. That's what I see, and that way when you are using that larger room, the living room, as also the studio space, you can keep it pretty clean and uncluttered because all the storage items, all the paints that you aren't immediately working with, all the supplies you're not using for that day's project can live in that other small room. So maybe when your friends are over, it's just a display piece that easel to show off your latest piece but it doesn't look like you're working there every day and also leaves more room for you to put out a cheese plate for your friends or a tray with cocktails i think that that is going to be just the thing and now it's time for a quick commercial break do you love learning about interior design Do you wish you could know even more about feng shui, styling your home, where to buy the perfect furniture pieces, and more? Well, you can. We offer online classes. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on the shop tab, and you'll see our three 45-minute online classes. Purchase them one by one for $40 a piece or get the value pack of all three classes for $90 and we'll throw in the paperback version of our book for free. Heck, I'll even autograph it for you. Be sure to use promo code PODCAST at checkout to get 15% off your order. 
My next question comes to me from Rhode Island. I always love it when people write where they're writing from. I like to think about, you know, not just the 50 states, but also we get a lot of international questions, which is really exciting. So Mariah happens to be in Rhode Island, and let's hear her question. Hi, Betsy. I've been listening to your podcast all week. I love all the useful information. After listening to the podcast on how to choose a sofa, we settled on a mid-tone sectional. Now that it's in the space, I'm struggling with some design elements. We have a very large room, 25 feet by 25 feet, that has our dining room table and living room. It's open to the white kitchen. We have a support beam and a pole in the middle of the space. It is not an option to remove it. I was wondering if I should try and change the large rug or have it cut so that I can put it around the base of the support pole. Or should I have many rugs to define the living room space? I'm also struggling with the color scheme. Some colors are set. The dark wood floor and trim and white walls will stay. We are thinking of painting the support beam and the pole white. The new couch is a neutral midtone. It looks gray in some lights. It has undertones of blue and some brown, and even a fleck of gold. I love the Scandinavian-style nautical color schemes, and I am inspired by collecting things from nature. In the rest of the house, we have simple white, hail navy, and stratton blue, all from Benjamin Moore. I have included some pictures, and the last picture of the chair in front of the bookcase feels complete to me. What should my 60, 30, 10 colors be? Do you have any suggestions for the style of rug or color? Thank you so much for answering my questions, Mariah. Well, thanks for writing in, and these questions are a big help in illustrating the situation. So I have a sense of what you're looking at here, and let's dive right in. First things first, you're not going to cut the rug. Don't cut a rug. Get it? Got it? Okay, that's a reference to dancing, but in this case, I'm talking literally cutting the rug. Don't do it. That's weird. Now, there are certain circumstances in which I do need to break my own rules. And in this case, you may want to go for a smaller rug. I am actually looking at the pictures and based on the layout of the space, which I'm not convinced is correct, but you don't have too many options What well, with that massive pull. I think that the rug looks fine. I really don't think that you need to go past the pole in order to better define the room with this rug. And I don't think it looks all that unusual where it is now. A lot of spaces I designed in New York City are converted lofts, and they have poles in awkward places, these support beams. Yours is not a converted loft, but it has the same scenario, and you really do have to just design around it. That being said, you want it to really blend into the background. And based on what I'm seeing here, I would recommend that you either stain the pole and the beam the same color as the trim, or you paint them the same color as the wall. And I think you'll find that it's much easier to paint them the same color as the wall. That way they recede into the background, but also you don't have to try and color match the floor stain. 
Also, there is so much wood in this space because your floors are a wood tone, your doors are a wood tone, and the woodwork, the trim is a wood tone. Additionally, you have a lot of wood tone furniture. You like the Scandinavian style, so there's tons of this walnut wood tone within the furnishings that I think we have to stop the wood. Whether you are just choosing to paint the pole white or choosing new furniture, my recommendation would be do not bring any more wood in this space. It's becoming a little bit dark and it's becoming a little bit formulaic to have every piece having an element of this warm wood tone. I think you should focus on bringing in some glass elements, whether they be mirrors or glass end tables, even a glass coffee table, or a lamp that has a glass shade instead of a fabric one. I can tell that that element is really missing from this room, and this room is calling out for a diversity of elements. A well-designed room features lots of different textures. It doesn't rely on only a couple. And another texture, if you're looking for something slightly more kid-friendly than glass, because I do see some toys over there in the corner, I would recommend something stone. Uh, maybe a marble coffee table or something like that. Uh, let me see if I answered all your questions. You are looking for your 60-30-10. Of course, I typically pull from the rug, and it doesn't sound like you're getting rid of the rug anytime soon. Now, one thing that's worrying me, as you just heard me say, is all of this warm walnut esque wood. So you might want to cool this space down. I'm really glad that you chose a gray sofa because that's automatically cooling the space down. But you may want to think in terms of accent colors of bringing in the tones from the rug that happen to be cool. I can see a vibrant aqua that would really work well against some of these warmer, almost reddish wood tones. And you could also play up maybe some of the wheat that looks to be featured in this rug. But I think that teal is not only going to make it feel really fresh and a bit more youthful, but it will also cool things off a little bit. I don't use the pillows that come with the sofa. It's too much of that same color, that same upholstery fabric. So the color pillows, those gray pillows that are on your sectional now, I would eliminate those. Ideally, you would be able to reuse the inserts, but instead I would cover them with pillows that feature that aqua I was just talking about. Isn't it fun? It's that easy. Guys, I love my job. Who doesn't like talking about buying new pillows? My last question for today comes from Katie. Katie writes, hello, Betsy. I hope you're well. I'm working on putting together a family room playroom combo, which is the lower level in my split level home. What I'm struggling with is the 60-30-10 of it all. The walls are pine panels painted horizon by Benjamin Moore, and there's a huge area rug that is mostly seafoam blue and gray. The other large item is our sectional sleeper, which is a dark gray, the Frighten from Ikea. I don't love it, but it fit our budget. We are in the process of putting together a dark seafoam green TV stand from Target. There are also some white book and toy shelves from Ikea. My question is, is the seafoam color the 60% and the dark gray the 30? Do we need an accent color for the 10? What would some good accent colors for this room be? We will have to buy some more lighting, a coffee table, and decor for the walls. I'm thinking of incorporating some framed vintage travel posters that will contain the 60-30-10 plan. Thank you, Katie. Wishing you all the best. All right. So typically, the neutral, which is that dark gray, does not count as a part of the 60-30-10. 
Typically, the 603010 is a Roy G. Biv color. Roy G. Biv referring to a color that is found in the rainbow, a color that is a bright hue and not a neutral like gray, beige, white, black. In this case, you are focusing a lot on those cooler colors. So you've got the gray from the wall paint, the deeper gray from the sofa, and then the seafoam green is considered a cool color, right? Because our greens, our blues, our purples are typically considered somewhat cooler, whereas our reds, our oranges, our yellows are considered warm colors. So I'm going to request and strongly suggest one of your 603010 be a warm color because otherwise it becomes somewhat like a theme room, all cool or all warm. And I will tell you as somebody who has an all cool office because I really wanted the colors to align with the logo for affordable interior design, which is a gradated effect from teal to navy. So I really focused on those colors when I was designing my space. And then after I designed my space, because I wanted it to be really brand specific, I wanted it to completely encapsulate the logo and the colors that we use on our website. But I began to feel itchy for a pop. It was so monochromatic and so cool that it was boring. And I found that my favorite pop to layer on top of this, and I just layered it arbitrarily because I was doing a window display. And I put in these big paper pinwheels that were hot pink, and it brought the whole thing to life. Adding that 10% pop of that really hot color made the blue so much more interesting. And, you know, it's like that in real life, too. You want that contrast, that foil. If everything has the same feel, whether it's a really warm feel, a really cool feel, a really soothing feel, a really vibrant feel, when everything is on the same level, the room is boring. The room is not compelling. And I think that's what I'm worried about for you right here. My suggestion would be to find that color and, you know, typically what you would do is you would start with that inspiration piece from which you would derive all the colors. I'm not seeing this in your pictures, but I am seeing that rug that has that dominating blue and white trellis. So the blue is most likely going to be your 60% and you still have opportunities with the 30 and 10 And maybe the TV console, I can't tell, is going to coordinate with this blue trellis rug. It might be more of a seafoam. Sometimes pictures can be deceiving visually, especially with color. Guys, it is great to be back in the mailbag. It is great to be back with you. I have loved having our experts on, our interior designers on. I love chatting with people about what they love to do. But I also really love giving you interior design advice. So keep those questions coming. You can send them to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. And I am so excited to see what the next 200 episodes brings. So thank you so much for supporting us, for being a listener, for being a fan. Spread the word. We'd love to grow in the coming years. All right, guys, until next week, have a good one. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. 
If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.